0: Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host we're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, we have Attorney and Former Federal Prosecutor Ward Mythaler, and also All Retired This Evening. We have Chief John Newman. Uh, we have uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, Corporal David D. DeGresta, Officer Andre Casal, and we have Producer Will Statzer. So I think that I got everybody on that one. And also a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, we have Galls Guardian Alliance Tech technologies Gunler.com, mymedicare.live and new one tac-tote.com that's t-a-c-t-o-t-e.com so uh, thanks to those entities for helping make this happen uh, and as usual we have a great lineup for you and if you guys notice something different uh, yes we are doing stream yard this evening uh, we're giving it a shot and it, it's good so far So um, we're not on Vimeo right now. Uh, We are on StreamYard, but we're on two Facebook locations. We're on YouTube, we're on LinkedIn, and we're also on a Twitter stream right now, which we've never done before. So uh, let's go ahead and start off um, talking uh, about one of our main articles is on Police One, and it's titled, Do Not Cross This Police Facebook Line. And it's Florida-based, which a lot of us are in Florida. It says last month the Florida Sheriff's Office made a decision to disable the comments on their Facebook page. And their rationale for doing this, uh, it says that in a post, it was um, an increase in, there was an increase in people posting tips on a Facebook page as opposed to using the tip line or the online form they had. So they didn't want them putting it in that public place. It says that it sounds tempting for an agency from an agency perspective, disabling comments will ensure that no one shares any sensitive public information. And of course, uh, they'll always protect the agency from negativity or trolling from disgruntled community members. However, by disabling engagement, you're missing out on so much more than the behaviors that you're trying to discourage posters from you know, putting up on the, uh, on the site. The zero risk and no reward solution is far more harmful in the long run and will likely open up new avenues of risk that the agency may not have thought of. So I, I thought it was a really interesting article i know that ever, out of everybody on here chief john newman probably may have the most to say about it but but i don't know i'm kind of curious you know uh what you guys think about it so um go in and weigh in guys
1: chip i think when you start worrying about eliminating people's ability to post or comment and you're being selective about it you just get into a slippery slope if you're going to embrace social media and have it you got you, it it's you know it's the full monty or nothing um i'm not a zero-sum guy but when you're talking about social media. You don't want to get ever to be looked at in a position when you're only taking or accepting comments or putting comments out things that you like or you have a good thing to say about and not take any negativity. I think that's going to create a problem for them. Whether it's legal or ethical or not, I'm not sure a word could weigh in. But if you're going to get involved with social media, you got to get involved with it 100% or don't bother. And, and that's from someone who you know came from a bigger agency that had a very robust social media platforms um, you know, to an end user, I don't think if you're gonna if you're gonna want, you can't silence everybody. You got to take the good with the bad. I think they're gonna, you know, they're creating some policy issues by doing that.
0: Thanks, Chief Corporal.
1: You know, I,
2: everything John said is 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 on the mark. The only thing that kind of caught me, if, if you look at the the author's what her background is, it's it's entirely about social media. Um, Everybody knows. I've said it a hundred times. I am not a fan of social media platforms at all. I think they cause more problems than they do good in the long run. Um, That being said, that is that is her bailiwick. That's what she does. So I I would I would expect nothing less from her in an article about social media that says, like John said, it's either all or it should be all or nothing. Um, But I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of social media. Never have been. I know it's it's 2022, I get it. Uh, agencies across the nation need to find uh, innovative ways to um, communicate with their uh, citizens uh, as best as possible in, in the ways that the citizens want to communicate. And that's you can't get away from that anymore.
0: Thanks, Dave. Uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of neat using StreamYard because uh, instead of, you know, we're streaming to so many locations right now. Normally, uh, Will and I and, and and Captain Bartlett, when he's on, we all have different, you know, tabs on our browsers open up so I can go to Facebook and see who's posting on Facebook and then I have another one for, you know, LinkedIn and then YouTube. And it's a lot of work. And all the streams are being fed to one location on StreamYard. And even Brett is logging in and uh, he's talking about um, what he's uh, going to the, what, USS Alabama or whatever. I, I caught part of it, but it scrolled off the screen. We got so many postings going on at one time. It's it's crazy right now. Uh, but I guess the USS Massachusetts is where he's going. But it, it, it's kind of cool to watch all these. Thank you, Michael MVS in Colorado also for, uh, for donating support in the show. You got a thumbs up from producer Will just now. Um, is there uh, anybody else before we go on to our first update? And uh, if not, then uh, let's go ahead and talk about, um, there wasn't a lot of COVID action going on um, this past week, uh, but um, I am seeing some things in the media. So I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, coffeeandcovid.com website. It's attorney Jeff Childers, based out of Gainesville, Florida. Um, I I know Ward's not a big fan, but for... a, a month or two now, he's been predicting that since uh, President Joe Biden uh, moved the State of the Union address to March the 1st. You know, normally it's, it's January, sometimes February, but uh, because of that, he predicted that he was doing it. So that give them time to get things arranged to where he can announce a victory over COVID. And uh, over this past week, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the media that have helped line that up, uh, and uh, including a lot of stuff from Washington. So I, I, I'm on the bandwagon. I think that March 1st during the State of the Union that he's going to say that um, COVID as a, um, you know, as the um, the pandemic is is gone and over, and that you know he fixed that, and that we'll be going to another, uh, you know, another mode of living, you know, hopefully. So anyhow. Um, watch for that. If there's no comments on that, we'll jump to our first video. And look for people that are uh, are watching the show, uh, our videos, uh, we don't have the um, we don't have the, uh, I guess the technical ability without running great risk for something to go bad to show videos during a live show. you know our live show is uh, to the second. it's about 90 minutes every Monday and we do production for radio and stuff. So look, if you're listening to us on a podcast or on radio, um, obviously you're not going to be able to see the video. Anyhow, uh, while we're doing this uh, live show or a recording of it Uh, So my advice is is that all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which is Leo roundtable And we've got links to um, all the shows um, All the topics all the videos that we do in advance before we even do this Monday uh, evening show So you can go to Facebook and you've got links watch the videos before during or after our live show and also producer will Will put them up throughout the week Tuesday through Saturday He'll embed those in the uh, segmented videos that we do so that said Um, Let's talk about our uh, first video. It's on Police One. Minnesota officers fatally shoot an armed man during a search warrant. Uh, Pretty dynamic video. Uh, So Minneapolis Police body camera video, it was released on Thursday night, shows several officers rushing into a downtown apartment shouting, search warrant. Now, there's... you know what there's sound uh, but it's in slow motion in the beginning and uh and then you see them shooting and killing Amir Locke as he stirred beneath the blanket on a couch with a gun in his hand so it's a 55 second video and like i said in slow motion and then a real time later on it shows the SWAT officers and yeah they're all geared up um, they enter in and they close in on this 22 year old lock with their guns drawn and they have weapon mounted lights and stuff and they're illuminating this dark apartment so the, the you get to see enough of what's going on the incident happened wednesday morning it just happened in seconds before Locke was shot and killed. Now, the officers were on the seventh floor unit of the Bolero Flats apartment homes, and this happened around just after 7 a.m., and they went to serve the search warrant in connection with the St. Paul homicide investigation, so a real bad guy that they were looking for. Uh, The Star Tribune learned uh, earlier on Thursday that Locke uh, was not the subject of the warrant, so the video shows police quietly turning the key, to be as quiet as they can. As soon as the door was open, multiple officers start, you know, charging, saying, "Please search warrant, uh, get on the, you know, ex- expletive ground." And so Locke is under a blanket; he's moving around, and then a handgun emerges in his right hand uh, before the officers, you know, light him up. They fire three times; he goes on the floor, and then they release the video. So, um, so the family's looking, at the higher attorney Ben Crump and uh, and some other guys that are, you know. Um, they had huge success with, uh, you know, getting money from the departments and stuff. So I don't know where that's going. But we got a little over two minutes. Uh, any comments on this, guys? John, you want to start us off? There, yeah, I, I,
1: I just, I, I, I'm not a big fan of no-knock warrants. You know, and whether you talk really slow or not, like you'll see in the video, you know, everyone says by all accounts, by his family's accounts, this guy wasn't a problem. He wasn't the target of the search warrant i'm not a problem but i don't sleep with a semi-automatic with me on the couch when i fall asleep so you now i guess that's a more of an inquiry or a curiosity but you know when you have no knock warrants you're in an apartment complex you know even up there in minneapolis where a lot of stuff happened the last couple of years with you know you know the police reform i'm surprised that they still allow it or in a situation like this you know with uh, down here we have to have a very specific accident circumstance for a judge to even consider, unless that's changed. It's been a number of years since I've written a search warrant. I'm just not a big fan of them, and that's the reason why.
0: Thanks, Chief. All right, Ward, why don't you go first? We got a, a little less than two minutes, and then David, and we got about a minute and 45 seconds before our first break. I agree with John. I don't like no-knock warrants for the very reason uh, that you can see in this video here. But this guy did not seem aggressive to me. I, I suspect that this was not excessive force under the Constitution. If there's if there was a gun there, right. I didn't I didn't see it. But the article says there was a gun. However, I would argue that there's a due process, constitutional due process violation with the search itself, uh, with re, with using a no knock warrant under 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 those circumstances. Thanks, Ward. All right, David.
2: You, you know, I I agree with John. I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of no knock warrants um, without serious need uh and and those should really be exceptions rather than anywhere near being a rule but you know when you you read this article and you got trump guy basically saying that no knock no knock warrants are racist are racist apparently you know uh, one day black americans will be able to sleep in their beds safely at night i guess on the couch with a gun I, i don't know how that comes about having anything to do with a no-knock warrant but yeah, that's that's what they're doing and that's unfortunate when they go down these roads with this stuff. If you want to go after no-knock warrants and try to get them done away with, okay, fine but they're not racist and they've got nothing to do with race uh, so, and so other than what John and Ward already covered, that's the only ugly part of this article that's coming
0: Alright, look, thanks David, appreciate it. Hey guys, a commercial break but we'll be right back. <music> well, look, let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County, Florida alone, which is where I'm at. So these benefits, they change annually. So how do you know you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Simply go to mymedicare.live or call Erie code 813 245-6656. Especially if you're in Hillsborough County, Florida, the Villages, Florida, somewhere uh, around the, you know, the the Tampa Bay area really helps because it's James or Bobby that's going to be answering the phone. They want to meet with you in person, help you save money on the medication co-pays, and they'll also help you find plans that your doctors accept, and they'll get you more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, that's mymedicare.live or 813-245-6656 and also GALS. You know, GALS sponsors the show. We're big fans of GALS. They pretty much carry everything, but Uh, guns and ammunition. I went to their website today and uh, yeah, they've got a 20% off of like great label stuff and 25% off of uh, pants. Um, So some great options, check them out at galls.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Uh, Guys, is there anybody on that last video? And if not, we'll move on to the second one. And again, uh, simply go to our Facebook page, Leo Roundtable uh, in order to be able to get the links for these videos. So on uh, on YouTube and the channel is Butter, and look, I'm going to describe this video in great detail so you guys don't miss out on too much uh, who are listening uh, audibly. Uh, body cam video shows a man swing a knife at first responders before he shot and killed by Raleigh police. So uh, body cam footage, it was released on Friday, shows his confrontation on January the 11th, and it led to police shooting and killing this man after a crash. So uh, it's released by um, Raleigh police and he's it shows this guy that's armed with a knife police identify him as jose daniel Argueta tercios and he's in a rollover crash that's um off of an interstate exit so our bad guy is argumentative with officers that are on the scene before he enters into a verbal confrontation with a woman who was in his vehicle during the crash so the officers give him commands in both Spanish and in English throughout um, their interactions. And as firefighters tend to his children, he produces a knife. So he swings the knife at a firefighter, tending uh, to his family. And then police uh, tell him to drop the knife multiple times. And then he starts walking away from the officers with a child who was also involved in the crash. So a woman who police said was the mother of the child then tries to take the child away and, um, once the child's out of harm's way an officer uses his taser on our bad guy. So there's a struggle and the officers, um, you know, try to take him into custody. So video shows him swinging a knife at first responders while flailing. And then he's initially shot twice and he falls to the ground, but it's not over. So then he tries to get up with the knife still in his hand. And then he ends up being shot three more times. And I think that, All the officers were surprised that, you know, that he that he came up and there were some uh, rumors from some of the witnesses that, you know, he might be intoxicated as well. So that's what we have um, comments on the video, guys. I I know it's you know, I won't say it's typical of a crash scene, uh, but crash scenes have a way of being very disorienting. You know, when you get there, you got to find out, you know, what happened. And there's all kinds of witnesses and other first responders are already there. So there's a lot obviously going on. Randy, you want to start us off?
3: You know, I, I was watching this with great interest because it appeared to me that there was, <clears throat> excuse me, another woman that got involved in it, too, who interjected herself, trying to get him to give her the knife. And the officers seemed to allow that to take place as opposed to getting her out of the way. And that, that appeared to me to kind of delay the police response to this. And it was a, uh, clearly a very confusing scene, um, and um, uh, the, the the subject, um, how he how he reacted after he was tased, was amazing. That he went down initially and then came up like he like it had no effect on him. Um, these officers had no choice in doing what they did, and I'm just surprised it took as long to shoot him as as it as it did.
0: Thanks, Randy um guys if there's nobody else we can uh, move on to the next update and you know mvs i just read your posting when you uh, donated to the show you said let's get the ball ro- rolling with the donations so appreciate that um moving along here we've got another update and uh this is on policetribune.com and also police1.com and you know i did this last week because there were just absolutely so many shootings and again we're experiencing you know a, a, a massive amount of cops getting shot so uh, police shot Over the past week, we got two Bridgewater College officers that were murdered by an active shooter. And this is a Bridgewater College police. And um, we've got off duty NYPD officers shot while driving to work. We've got um, Hillsborough County, uh, which, of course, is where I'm at in Florida. Um, We've got a deputy, uh, Abigail uh, Bieber, murdered by her boyfriend who was Also, from what I understand, an HCOSO deputy a detective uh, while on vacation. I think they were in St. Augustine, Florida. And we've got an off-duty officer shot in the seventh shooting of NYPD cops in 2022. And uh, he was visiting his family when he was shot by a ski mask wearing um, suspects, uh, more than one. So uh, horrible stuff going on, guys. I I don't know if there's an end in sight yet. Um, If there's nobody on this we'll move on to our next main story. We've got only got three main stories this evening. Uh, we're on policetribune.com. Maryland lawmaker wants to strip pensions from officers convicted of crimes. We've covered this every once in a while, um, but they're trying to do this in, uh, in, in Baltimore, Maryland. So an anti-police state senator from Baltimore does not think that it's enough punishment for police officers in Maryland to receive a sentence if they're convicted of a crime she wants to take away the pensions also. So, Democratic Maryland State Senator Jill Carter proposed a law in early January that would strip convicted law enforcement officers of their state pensions, and this is on WTOP. So, Maryland State uh, or Maryland Senate Bill 47, it would require officers to forfeit all or, port or part of their pensions if they were found guilty, they plead guilty or they plead no contest, you know, to a qualifying crime that they allegedly committed while on duty. So under SB 47, the list of qualifying crimes includes uh, any felony, perjury, or misdemeanor related to a truthfulness or veracity complaint. You know, I know that with the Tampa Police Department where uh, I retired from, it had to be a crime of moral turpitude. Uh, and, and and I know you guys are, are getting ready to weigh in, but let me start it off by saying that my personal opinion is, is that I have an issue um, with officers getting their pensions yanked for something that they, um, that they did i'm sorry for something they did after they earned that pension money in other words if you've got 20 years of great exemplary service and then in year 21 you do commit um a crime you get arrested you get jammed up i don't think that you should have to forfeit you know what you justifiably should have gotten for the first 20 years it makes absolutely no sense to me um that's just my two cents uh, we've got um about a minute and 45 seconds before nurse, our next commercial break um comments on this guys i'm curious for you guys uh what you guys feel chief newman
1: You know, I think the last time we talked about this was the deputy that was at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and how the legislature wanted to go after his pension. Um, Yeah, yeah, Peterson, go after his pension uh, in an administrative or regulatory manner, even before, um, you know, it went to court. I've got issues with it on both sides. I mean, I I agree if you're working on duty. I would, you know, I have issues because I believe, I don't believe, I don't like to believe the fidelity or uh, the, the, the virtue of this person that's proposing this bill. She has a history of some really wild, um, anti-law enforcement, dare I say, progressive reform bills. So, you you really question
0: her motive. Perfect. Right on time. Hey, another commercial break. We'll be right back. Look, let's talk about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement. It's Guardian Lines Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there's a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Now, with Guardian, um, you know, they developed the CGIS compliant background investigative software pla- platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background check process, it's more comprehensive, but it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicants. So there's no upfront fees or long-term commitment. So I strongly recommend that you visit the day at guardianalliancetechnologies.com and also tac. Dash totecom a new, uh, new sponsor. Hey, look, if you spend any time inside an armored vehicle, you know how cluttered that world can be. And the same is true of cruisers. So w- there's a new product line made by TAC-TOTE that takes full advantage of all that steel. So TAC-TOTE's products allow you to store a variety of gear in an, within an arm's reach using magnetic technology. So extra mags, med kits, uh, less lethal breaching tools. They all have a portable magnetic magnetic staging solution Just to name a few. So, guys, if you're looking to get your patrol cars or your armored vehicles more organized and also help you deploy faster, check out tack tote.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. You know, uh, John. You know, uh, Tacto. You know, it's it's for our listeners. It's T A C. That's T is in Tom, A C dash T is in Tom, O T is in Tom E dot com. Uh, they got a great website. Uh, what do you think, John?
1: You know, I'm trying out one of their products. It seems to be very versatile. You know, I like the magnetic part of it. I'm so I'm running around the house trying to smack into something that's metal in my house, and I don't have anything. Um, but just the design of the bag itself is. It seems to be very tough material, so it would you know withstand the rigors of what some of our folks use in their trunk. I can think of some folks I worked on the police department that would love a bag like this because they really their cars were everything to them. You know what I mean? So I've been I've been actually messing around with the bag a little bit. I actually want to see in my new field if we can use it in some other instances, like in transportation. Take away the tactical side of it but it seems to be a very versatile bag and it seems pretty durable, but I've been only been playing with it for about a week or so, trying to get in different things. So I like it so far. It's pretty cool. All
0: right. Thanks, Chief. Good information, and of course, it's uh it's steel. You know, it's magnets and and steel. So, um, aluminum, uh, you're not going to get the, uh, you know, it's not going to stick to the aluminum. But, um, they're man, there's st- these steel, uh, you know, I'm assuming they still have the steel uh, cruiser cages, you know, in the uh, in the cars and stuff. You know, for the most part, you know, Andrea would know better uh, better than me. I haven't been, you know, in the back of one lately. and Andrea's been in many of them. So,
1: because, uh, like, for example, <laughs> Chip, Randy could put his cat in one of those tack bags. And I like sum, you think. and zip that some up because I was gonna shoot that rodent that was on his shoulders and I realized it was his <laughs> cat. <laughs> well, leave, leave my kitties out of this,
3: okay? Leave my kitties out of this. I oh just want to
2: I think I thank John for changing the subject
3: and putting it right on Randy's <laughs> <laughs> hey, thing. Which part
2: think? about which part about Andrea being in the back of a police car recently? Absolutely. Is that what you were talking about? Absolutely. Or would that be well, Ward? One or that, the other.
3: That would be false information.
1: <laughs> Wait,
0: false. Do you guys, are you guys old? I know that some of us work together in Tampa. Um, Do you guys remember two females in Tampa on I-4? Um, they were, they were in the back of the cruiser. In the in the cage, and they got locked in, and, and someone had to come let them out. Do you remember that? I remember, I remember when that happened? Remember that, or at least the story of it. I you can I look at Randy. Yeah, that's like Las Vegas Metro <laughs> stuff, Randy. We got going down in Tampa, yeah. But uh, I remember who one of the who one of the female officers uh, is, because she went to work for HCSO afterwards. And uh, that's a great story. Well, you know, trying want, to call someone on the radio to get you out is not a great story, but yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Think
3: that's funny as <laughs> hell. That reminds me, okay, we'll keep that for, we'll go get a beer and talk about that one.
0: Well, well, Randy, actually, leave your mic open, Randy, because, you know, not that it has anything to do with this topic, but um, the Wounded Blue, Um, you've got some major stuff going on, and, uh, you know, why don't you take this opportunity to talk about the Wounded Blue?
3: I will. Uh, So, for those of you who do not know it, uh, I founded an organization called the Wounded Blue. It is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers, a national nonprofit made up of officers who have been injured in the line of duty, who want to continue to serve, continue to help. And today, actually, um, we did a couple of amazing things. Um, You know, we were talking about officers being shot almost on a daily basis. Three officers were shot in one incident in Houston just last week. And today, one of my officers, who uh, who was uh, also a survivor of a gunshot wound to the face, met with each of those officers and gave them each $1,000 from the Wounded Blue, uh, along with the availability of peer support in the future, so they know that they are not forgotten and not alone. And at the same time, another one of my peer team members met with the uh, Kentucky Trooper who was shot last week, gave him $1,000, uh, and gave them support as well. So the Wounded Blue is doing some amazing work. Go to the woundedblue.org and if you can donate, donate. If you're an officer and you need help, reach out to us. It's completely confidential and if you want to think about, if you've been a cop and you want to continue to serve after you uh, know what it feels like to be injured in the line of duty, contact us because we're going to be bringing more members onto our peer team.
0: Thanks, Lieutenant. And you know, I, I personally have donated uh, to the organization. I've uh, I've bought uh, apparel like what Randy's sh- is sharing. That um, you know, he's got the mug there. He's got that that killer shirt. Um, of course, his is Taylor, you know, fit around the biceps, you know, that's why he's blowing up those big those pipes there. But uh, but no, that is actually an unaltered shirt. So, yes, your arms may look as good as Randy's if you end up getting one of those shirts. I I wore mine yesterday. So, um, so yeah. Um uh, and John, I know that chief that your your mic was unmuted when Randy went and I, I noticed it the last second, but is there something you wanted to add?
1: No, I think one I think you know, it has nothing to do with Randy. I think that you know the, what those folks are doing in his group is outstanding. But I just wanted to comment about um not about the cap, but the topic that we we're on. It. And then I turned my <laughs> I turned my microphone off when we kind of shifted gears.
0: Okay. All right. Well, look, if there's um nobody else then in on the last video, um, I can move on to the next topic then. So unless uh, Chief John, your mic's still well, open. To- uh, we weren't
1: watching a video. We we're talking of, weren't we talking about the um oh now you got me forgetting. Gosh, it got me so darn confused.
0: Well, you know, that makes two of us then. So I know these these guys watch the show. They, think, man, these guys, these cops, man, you know, well, that's what happened. We're
1: talking about someone getting the certification, Yang, because someone, oh, some, yeah. Legislator wants it. it, it they're even going to have the discussion. I think, Randy, you guys deal with a post out there, right? And we have CGSTC. So whether it's a post or an FOP or CGSDC, these are the folks that need to be in this conversation. Let them set the guidelines. So when you know you get hired, there's a review or a process in case. You know, you do something stupid, you get arrested, that there is some review with folks that know what your job's about. Those are the only people that are going to be able to give you um, the type of insight that you need as to whether or not these laws should be on that enumerated list or not. To have a legislature do it, you don't. You don't want that to happen because they're you know they're they're not familiar with what we do for a living, they're not familiar with a lot of the nuances of this occupation. So I if they're even gonna have those kind of conversations. It needs to be with the, the commission people, the accreditation people, the posts, the FOPs, and the CJSDCs. That's all I wanted to say.
0: No, I like I like the way you think. And you know, John, when uh, when we were when we got lost in thought, I mean, we had a lot of stuff going on. We were joking around about the cat. Randy went and talked about the of blue, and then we just got up that other topic. Ward's I could see the smile across Ward's face. He loved the fact that we were kind of losing it mentally, and 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 we he saw no. like a kink in the armor is what he saw. No, he no, no, excited. no.
1: Ward was laughing because he thought Randy was wearing his shirt for Viagra, because on my side, yeah. all you can see is that big that big B. Yeah. And now when he's standing there in full shirt, you can see it's one of his organization shirts. So uh, Ward was probably looking for a hookup. I'm I'm just thinking.
0: That may okay, that I, that makes sense. That makes sense now. All right, thank you. All right. If there's if there's nobody else, I got like John even took it a hiatus here for a second. Uh Look, we got about two and a half minutes, so let me pop on to uh, Police 1, San Francisco PD, to end investigation agreement with the DA, the district attorney. So there is a story here. I'm just going to touch on the surface of it, uh, but San Francisco Police Chief William Scott, he announced on Wednesday that his department will end an agreement with the district attorney's office to cooperate On investigations of police shootings and other incidents. So Scott has renewed his criticism of District Attorney uh, Chesa Bowden after an investigation in in, uh, Bowden's office alleged that she was pressured to withhold evidence in a use of force case against a San Francisco cop. And here's a quote saying that um, it appears that the DA's office has an ongoing practice of investigations against SFPD officers that includes withholding and concealing information and evidence the San Francisco PD is entitled to have. And that's what Scott wrote in a letter to uh, Bowden's office on Wednesday. So in court testimony last week, the investigator uh, involved in all this said that she believed that she could be fired if she did not remove certain evidence from an affidavit against officer Terrence Stengel, who is charged with battering assault after beating a man with a baton, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Now, uh, Stengel's attorney alleged that the evidence incriminated the man and would have justified the officer's use of force, so it would have got the officer off the hook. Now, in full disclosure, the San Francisco Superior Court Judge uh, Teresa kafis she did not issue a ruling on the motion to dismiss the case, uh, according to the uh, Chronicle, and she said the evidence allegedly withheld uh, was redundant and irrelevant. So I, I do want to throw that out there. Um, we got about a... This is a, actually we're leaving on this topic, so this will be the end of the uh, the first. Actually, you know what I'm sorry, I think we got one more break coming up. So uh, we got about forty seconds, guys. Uh, whoever wants to jump in, nobody on this one.
2: Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's easy. It's just the uh, the uh, what will you call them? The revolution eating itself. Is that how it goes? So no surprise.
0: All right, thanks, Dave all right if there's nobody else then i'll go in and what your appetite on the uh, next video so it's on youtube the channel is called this is better there's a body cam and there's footage showing uh, what led to a man being shot by jacksonville police and It's the jacksonville sheriff's office so again on this uh, video if you're listening to us audibly on podcast or on radio uh simply go to our facebook page leo roundtable we got links to all the stories and all the videos so we're at the jacksonville sheriff's office in florida on thursday they released a body cam Uh, video uh, from a traffic stop in January that led to a man being shot by police. So the car was stopped about 1 a.m. on January the 8th, Five people were inside, uh, and the car was stopped for a red light violation. So, during the stop, officers said that they smelled marijuana inside the car. They noticed the man in the front passenger seat, later identified as uh, T. Ronnie Wade. He's wearing body armor. Imagine starting the stop off like this, David. And so, the officers, it says they were suspicious. I bet they were a little bit more than suspicious. So, look, we'll take a commercial break, and then we'll uh, cover the video. We'll return in a second after this break. <laughs> Look, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and the only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leo's need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. So you can start the day with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can also get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable show in, in, in the first body cam video, the, it shows the officer approaching the driver's side. The driver of the car can be seen with his hands out the window. So remember the guy wearing the body armor, that was the passenger. So, um, so driver's got his hands out the window. The driver uh, tells the officer his identification was left at home, and he's asked to step out of the vehicle. So the officer checks him for weapons, asks the man if he has a uh, medical marijuana card. Uh, the guy says uh, he does, but that he also left that at home. So the cop puts him in the back of the cruiser. And uh, hey, if, uh, hey, John, if, if the cop would have had one of those uh, tack-tote.com, you know, things, you know, he would have been able to, hand, you know, had the extra mags and stuff hanging right there, right, for the shootout that's about to happen. So, um, officer returns to the car and he asks Wade, who's the passenger in the ballistic vest, ask him a question. He says, quick question, do you have a medical marijuana card? And <laughs> So, the guy responds and says, sir... I don't answer any questions, sir. So uh, the cop says, okay, step out of the vehicle for me. And that's when it starts to go south. So the officer repeats the demand, you know, to get out of the car. And um, he says, don't reach behind your back. So the officer eventually grabs Wade's hands, guiding him out of the car. A magazine to a firearm can be seen near his waist. And uh, so the guy tells the cop, look, I got a weapon on me. Cop says, I know. And suddenly a second officer in the scene yells, hey, stop because now we got people starting to bail out of the car and run, uh, because remember, there were five people in the car. So the first officer attempts to handcuff Wade. Wade uh, tells him to get on the ground. Wade breaks away. You hear a gunshot. Cobb said that it was fired by Wade. And so police return fire, and numerous shots are heard. So surveillance camera shows the suspect running away from police and appears to show him firing back over his shoulder. So the three who were in the backseat, that kind of uh, vamoose. There, um, I guess, two of them were caught and detained. Wade was taken into custody and transported to a hospital with serious injuries, and he's found to be in possession of a handgun, 22 bags of cocaine, synthetic drug called Flaca, which I'm actually unfamiliar with, but it's like bath salts, I guess. Maybe one of you guys knows more about it. So uh, kind of interesting how this thing kind of unfolded. Uh, comments on the video, guys? David?
2: Yeah, wow, how it unfolded. That's That's kind of an understatement. You know that... I had to, you have to watch the video almost in its entirety. I mean, you can skip through a lot of it, but I was confused initially how the guy that had the body armor managed to break away from two cops that were standing very close to him by the car. And what came to light was that the backup officer made a rookie mistake and the, and, and it was like, squirrel, and he took off and left his partner. Alone with a known armed bad guy to begin to chase one of the other people that jumped out of the other side of the car and ran. You had to watch further in the video to get his body camera before you realize what happened, which at that moment, when the bad guy realized he was one-on-one, then he decided he would take he would make his move. Um guys, you've heard it in that silly movie, don't leave your wingman. Don't do it. Uh, you've got an armed subject you know is armed in front of you. He's got body armor on. Um, yeah, that's a reasonable thing to, to for one of you to step back a foot, draw your firearm and point it directly at his head and say, "Look at me. Do what you're told." As the other officer goes hands on and puts him on the ground and puts him in handcuffs. But you can't leave that. You can't leave that scenario. Um, a, your partner alone with that. Hence, the guy breaks away. Now, the other cop does recover. He he realizes what, what his mistake was. He turns, and he runs after his partner who is in foot pursuit behind this guy who's shooting at him. They take cover on the corner of a building. They, they return fire to this guy. They hit him at least once or twice. I don't think it was life-threatening. They dump a lot of rounds. Sorry, Brett. I know you're heartbroken over this. Um, dump a lot of rounds. They finally put the guy down in the middle of the street, and then they start to collect themselves and figure out what's going on, tr- transmit out what's going on to the other units that are responding. And they get the scene kind of, kind of uh, put back together, but that was the critical mistake there. He he left his wingman. Can't do that,
1: right? You gotta. I mean, Dave, you gotta wonder if that's by design. You know. Well, you know the guy. Like, I don't it's care. Not like the guy had a concealed gun, had a freaking extended mag. So you gotta wonder if it wasn't by design. Yeah, I, I mean, it, in the end, yes, no. I, I,
2: you, I don't care. If if you're if you're on a task and you know this guy is armed or, or the chances are very high that he is you've got to stay on that um the cover man has to step back and look at everybody in the car and say the first one to make a bad move i'm gonna shoot you because i know there's a gun present um and with seeing what he saw he should have never left that never left his partner with that guy alone never but it, it turned out okay all the cops were fine other other than that they, they recovered and did a good job. So, uh, you know, in the end it, it was okay, I guess.
0: You know, I, I, I'm looking here at our, at our feet. I know, uh, we have, uh, Joanna Messina on, uh, from Pexip. So hi, Joanne. Thanks for, uh, watching the show. I'm seeing that, um, it says that Eddie Leal is on here and Bill Van Rom, but Eddie says that, you know, he saw the video previously and said they had an extended mag, They had a drum magazine and extra mags in the car as well. And that's a good thing. They didn't want to kill a cop that night. So guys. Oh, Andrea, I'm, I just noticed your mic's open. Go ahead.
1: Real quick. I think that's where that um, tunnel vision
2: kind of comes in. And some of these younger guys, especially, they just want to get into that foot pursuit where they just kind of get blindsided. Somebody runs from the car and you just automatically chase after them. Um, I do. I think it's very important to go ahead. And, I mean, you have to slow down. You have to get control of your scene. Um, we can't always just go chase. I mean, there's time to figure out some of those other things later on down the road. But, you know, you just can't get you can't get tunnel vision. I think that. There's a lot of that that's still going on. And, you know, you'll you'll see some of these guys just, they can't help they it. Help they help just go for that chase.
0: Thanks, Andrea. All right, guys. So there's nobody else on this one then. I've got, um we've only got about three minutes before we come to the uh, half point of the show. So we'll end on this topic. On Police 1, Aurora Police Chief Fires Union President over diversity email, and we had covered this previously on the show. So Aurora Police Chief Vanessa Wilson fired the president of the police union on Thursday, more than two months after he sent an email to the agency's almost 235 members calling diversity provisions sexist and racist so officer doug uh, wilkinson so he he is an officer i, I you know figured normally you know they maybe have a little bit more rank on him but he's an officer he was hired by the police department back in 2002 he was placed at administrative Leave initially after he sent the November 16th email. His termination is effective as of Thursday. So Wilkinson was fired after an investigation found that he likely violated the city's anti-harassment policy and a police department's directive about discrimination, harassment, and sexual harassment. Uh, he sent an email after the state announced an agreement with the police department that changed the agency's use of force, hiring, and their training practices. <laughs> the agreement came after state investigation discovered a pattern of racist policing and excessive use of force by the police department. That that is surprising. However, um, listen to his comment that he the post that he made. He said, "Quote to match the diversity of the community, uh, we could make sure to hire ten percent illegal aliens." 50% Fifty percent weed smokers, ten percent crackheads, and a few child molesters and murderers to round it out. You know, so we can make the department look like the community. And that's what he wrote. Um, and it says in the email. So five employees filed a complaint about the message, and then nature took its course. So we got about a, a minute and thirty-nine seconds. Um, comments on this, guys. Any surprises, Randy? You want to start us off?
3: I think the. Uh, I think that he's going to get his job back. That's what I think. Um, I don't. I cannot see was it poor judgment probably um uh, was it funny
0: <laughs> yeah
3: it was uh that, how does this constitute sexual harassment explain that one to me because i'm not seeing it uh i and the uh, i think the aurora colorado police chief just gave in uh because she's part of the she's part of the the movement that was uh you know that, that wants to hang a guy out like this to dry i think it i think they should have just given him giving them a written and, and be done with it.
0: All right. Thanks, Lieutenant. Guys, we got about uh, 48 seconds before the end of the show. So um, any other comments before I call in David?
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree with Randy. We, let's just talk about the offense first, right? I don't think it rose to the level of sexual harassment, but who knows how that policy reads. But, man, if it feels good while you're emailing it, stop. <laughs> if you're laughing and you can't finish the sentence, on the keyboard or you're like talking to the computer, stop, grab yourself, a, you know, an adult beverage, walk around the room for 30 seconds. Don't send it, man. Don't send it. Or nowadays they have a delay in your email. You can do 10 seconds or 20 seconds.
0: I I like that. You're on it. Um, we're going to go and cover a couple videos. This one's on YouTube. The channel is called, this is butter. And so uh, this is that uh, Vecchaville uh, police. And it says that an officer who shot a fleeing unarmed man he did not violate policy. So the review found that an officer who shot and wounded an unarmed man was running from the police in 2020, and that he acted within department policy. We'll be right back after this commercial break. guys, that is the end of the first half of the show. We got another 45 minutes coming up for you guys. So, you know, uh, in radio, uh, every hour is made up of 45 minutes of content, basically. And the other 15 minutes is, you know, news, traffic, sports, and weather. So uh, 45 minutes for us is an hour in radio. So stay tuned for the second half of the show.